Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. What did we do with a coalition of people? We passed the Healthy Soils Initiative, which is funding for carbon farming in the state of California. So in three years, we took a working model and we scaled up to the state. In this half hour, we visit with two unlikely pathfinders who are helping revolutionize the way we think about how our food, fuel, and fibers are produced and how that production can take carbon out of the atmosphere and put it back where it belongs, in the soil. This is Vice to Virtue, from carbon crisis to carbon farming, with Calla Rose Ostrander of Phoenix Rising Resources and John Wick of California's Marin Carbon Project. My name is Neil Harvey, I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. How does a virtue become a vice? How does a basic building block of life turn into a threat to life? And how do you turn that vice back into a virtue? Any good ecologist will tell you that in nature, waste is just a resource that's out of place. In other words, location, location, location. Get back to where you once belonged is the astoundingly simple remedy behind a genuinely groundbreaking climate change mitigation strategy. It's a movement that's sweeping across agricultural lands in the U.S. and around the world. It's called carbon farming, and it's too good not to be true. Given that a third of Earth's ice-free surface is dedicated to farming, even small-scale changes at the local level can produce very big influences at the global scale. Regenerative agriculture can optimize carbon sequestration and revitalize the soil so more water sticks around for longer, building agricultural resilience. Scaling up these revolutionary methods can offset the climate destabilization that threatens to confound agriculture and endanger our food supply. John Wick is a true believer. He's co-founder of the Marin Carbon Project and co-owner with his wife, Peggy Rathman, of the Nicasio Native Grass Ranch. I love concrete. <laughs> I worked for a couple of decades in this area, building, doing projects. In the early 90s, I went to school to become a project manager. And I had this dream of working on very large projects, and in particular, the Three Gorges Dam in China. I thought that would be a very spectacular achievement for a career. If you'd told John Wick that instead of concrete, he'd end up working with compost and cows to solve the greatest challenge to human civilization, he probably would have laughed out loud. Then again, as John Lennon said, life is what happens while you're making other plans. John Wick spoke at a Bioneers conference. My wife became very successful. She created a bestseller children's book, Goodnight Gorilla, and then won the Caldecott Award. And then as a family decision, we chose to put my energy and my enthusiasm into her career. 
Now, I have a large personal space, and that requires a bigger studio than we had, so we bought a barn. And this barn that we bought was on a ranch 20 minutes west of here in Nicasio, and we went about our work creating children's books with no regard to the ranch surrounding this barn. It's 540 acres of a coastal prairie system. And our approach to managing this landscape was to leave it alone. It was our assumption that nature would heal itself and we could create wilderness by basically just watching. But that didn't happen. And soon, over a few years, the system went into chaos. We had encroachment of weeds from places other than here. The coyote brush took over the landscape. We had sudden oak death. And so being who I am, I, I looked to technology and equipment and started to try and manage the system as a construction guy. And everything I did made it worse. And so it was spinning out of control, and, and it was then that we actually sought professional help. John Wick and his author wife, Peggy Rathman, knew they were lost and needed some directions. They found their way to Dr. Jeffrey Kreck, an experienced agricultural and rangeland ecologist. He advocated that they bring grazing animals back onto the landscape in a manner that's based on mimicking nature's own cycles. Dr. Kreck told them what the land needed was the very cows that they'd removed. Why? Because before Europeans brought cattle to North America, vast herds of buffalo and elk co-evolved with grasslands and actually created those grasslands by disturbing and fertilizing the landscape. Managing the cows differently, one more resource out of place, would create the conditions that would recreate the perennial grasses. Together they developed a new plan, because life had another plan, a very old one. Now Jeff suggested that we learn what this system was, and that was a, um, a big education for me. These are leaky, juicy systems. They're not hardscapes like I'm used to, and it required a complete different approach. And so working with living systems required observation and a more benevolent participation. So we introduced intentional disruption in the form of an occasional grazing event, and we did very light touches on the landscape and started to see spectacular results. We started to actually see whole systems of native plants appearing on their own without planting a seed. This became really exciting to us. Dr. Creek got more and more excited because around 2006, 2007, there was more and more concern about the climate, the climate crisis. And it was Jeff's thinking that if, in fact, we were creating conditions for the deeper-rooted native perennial plants to express themselves, through photosynthesis, we were probably increasing durable soil carbon that would be significant, and we needed a way to measure that. Little did the accidental land managers know they were embarking on a world-changing demonstration project to meaningfully address the climate crisis. John Wick and Jeff Kreck realized it would be groundbreaking if they could actually pull carbon out of the air and cycle it back into the soil in significant quantities. After all, soil holds far more carbon than all of the world's forests and atmosphere combined. Location, location, location seemed to be the portal to transforming carbon from a vice into a virtue once again. John Wick and Dr. Kreck now found themselves asking different questions. What if we engaged with the carbon cycle as if we actually acknowledged there is one, 
What if we could use that knowledge to keep more carbon going into soil than is going into the atmosphere? What if agriculture and land management could become the solution instead of the problem? To test the hypothesis that grazing could enhance durable soil carbon, John Wick sought out a scientist who specialized in such questions. John Wick spoke with us at a Bioneers conference. So the question that we asked in 2007 to Dr. Wendy Silver, a biogeochemist at UC Berkeley, a world-renowned soil carbon sequestration expert, was, is my grazing management increasing durable soil carbon that would be climate beneficial? She said, I doubt it, and I doubt we could measure it. Dr. Silver agreed to work with Wick and Dr. Kreck to design a robust experiment. They would measure whether rangelands could be managed to increase soil carbon and beyond. Little did they know that while their initial question on grazing alone enhancing soil carbon would be disproved, they would discover the powerful role that carbon plays in restoration of ecosystem health. Their inquiries were the genesis of the Marin Carbon Project, a model for comprehensive carbon farming that would be scaled throughout California. So around 2008, we were able to create the Marin Carbon Project and brought together scientists, policymakers, practitioners, advisors, and explored the question of the role of carbon in managed natural systems upon which we rely for food, fuel, fiber, and flora. We now know that through managing for carbon, we can actually increase the system capacity to hold even more carbon. And once you do it, the system starts to do it on its own. We first experimented with compost, and by putting this beautiful biologically stable molecule, carbon, nitrogen, and life, on the soil, the soil knew exactly what to do with it. So by applying a thin dusting of compost once on our grazed rangeland system, it was like putting medicine on this poor soil, and it quickly became healthy, and on its own started to promote more plant growth, which sequestered more carbon, which held more water, which promoted more plant growth, and it goes on and on. We've measured for five years this ongoing self-feeding carbon sequestration phenomenon, and our computer modeling shows that a single application of compost one time will result in a ton of carbon from the atmosphere ending up in a stable form in the soil for 30 to 100 years. This is incredibly exciting. John Wick, Peggy Rathman, and the scientists were not afraid to fail and kept asking questions, intent on demonstrating the virtues of carbon in agricultural systems. They knew how much they didn't know, and they knew they'd face intense skepticism. I met John in the city and county of San Francisco, actually first over the phone. He called me up and I, I answered, I was the climate change coordinator, and he said, I've got this project and we're gonna graze cows and we're gonna reduce carbon and we're gonna sell carbon offsets. And I said, that's nice. Call me back when you have a protocol and you've proved additionality and you've got all these things. Calla Rose Ostrander had spent her professional life working with cities to transform urban systems from climate liabilities to climate solutions. After she bluntly told John Wick to come back with proof of concept, well, he did just that. But he returned with an unusual ask. 
five years later, he showed up in our office and he said, We've, we did the science. We, uh, we showed that the soil actually responds and sequesters carbon with a single application of compost because it makes the whole system healthier. We got a biogeochemist to do it. Here are the 12 papers. Here's a protocol. Here's our policy base. By the way, we're working with the USDA and the Natural Resource Conservation Service. And we're here because we need more compost. And I said, OK. <laughs> It turned out life had other plans for Calla Rose Ostrander, too, as she recalled at a Bioneers conference. I had a personal experience where I had just finished writing the city and county of San Francisco's climate strategy with a number of people who were part of that project. And I went on a surfing trip and I um, dove into the ocean and I got a brain injury. I couldn't read or write for about a year. and. In that time period, I was about on the same wavelength as the trees. They were about my speed. Uh, and I sat on the back porch, and I listened to the trees, and I listened to the birds. And what I realized in that time was that so much has happening so much faster than we thought. It was my job every day to read the climate science, to recommend what we were going to do for policy. And while I was inside reading the climate science and recommending policy, the outside world had shifted faster than any of us had predicted. This was the beginning of the drought. So the birds waited for the rain. In November, they all went quiet, and the rain never came. In January, the birds were quiet, and then the first magnolias started blooming. And the birds kind of were like, should we come out? And they did, but their song wasn't happy. It was confused. And in this time period, I experienced such grief because the flowers had been forced to bloom without any water. And the birds were coming out not having had any rest. And at that point, I realized, you know, this game, we've got to play it differently. I can't go sit down for eight hours a day in the office and look at my computer and say I'm working on climate change. Um, and. <laughs> That's not to say that we don't often have to sit on our computers because we do have to communicate with each other. But I was witnessing a culture that just got up and got on the BART and got in the car and went and sat and got up and went back and sat and went to bed. And it was like, no, the world is changing now. And in that, we also have so much freedom. So what did I do with my freedom? I quit my job with my pension and my social security and all those really great things that you get when you work for the city and county of San Francisco. And I went to work with John in the Marin Carbon Project. Best decision I've ever made. Calla Rose Ostrander's life-changing injury led her to her new job, strategic advisor to individuals and organizations dedicated to stabilizing Earth's climate. She also embarked on a new and different personal path, an activism inspired in part by a slowed-down awareness of nature's flows and cycles. So what the Marin Carbon Project did, which was so phenomenal, is they created pieces that all fit together to form a working model. And instead of saying, we have a theory of change, and the theory of change looks like this, and now you have to account for carbon everywhere in the supply chain, thank you very much, Kyoto Protocol. And no thank you, because that's a point source pollutant, and carbon is not a pollutant. It's the fundamental building block of life on our planet, and it's an element, and it cycles. <laughs> Thank you.
When We Return, how John Wick and Tala Rose Ostrander are taking the Marin Carbon Project to scale by managing for life and supporting what works. This is Vice to Virtue, from Carbon Crisis to Carbon Farming. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out. With the intent to look at climate change in a new way, around humans' place within the carbon cycle, Kala Rose Ostrander set about mobilizing her extensive experience and connections working with municipal governments and diverse stakeholders. She and Wick saw an existing pathway for how to move the Marin Carbon Project to scale. The project had begun working with U.S. Department of Agriculture Resource Conservation Districts, a system of non-regulatory assistance for farmers created after the Dust Bowl, when badly managed lands turned to dust in the wind. The USDA's Natural Resource Conservation Service offers planning and technical assistance to farmers and ranchers through hundreds of local conservation districts across the country. The mission is to meet specific soil conservation standards and avoid another dust bowl. The Marin Carbon Project partners seized the opportunity to work with these districts. But, said Wick and Ostrander, in light of today's new burden of a climate crisis, rather than a soil conservation plan, let's create a carbon plan. They knew that by managing for carbon, they would also manage for soil health, water, energy, nutrients, and productivity. They found that many farmers and ranchers were already practicing specific methods that happened to also increase sequestration of carbon into the soil. A federal but highly distributed localized infrastructure was already in place, and it could be keyed to advancing newly imagined local economies built around carbon farming. So they said, we're going to work with those guys, existing infrastructure. We're going to create and fund fiber shed to create regional fiber economies. We're also going to create a model for compost at the dairy next door. So we're going to create our own compost. We're going to do the science. We're going to get the protocols right. And then we're going to take it to scale. When we talk about scale, we often think about little house, big house, right? Little module, big modules, many factories. What the Marin Carbon Project did is it gave us a working model for a fractal. It's something that's repeatable in multiple variations across multiple systems. And it was specifically designed for the United States, so I'm not going to say it's going to work everywhere, but carbon works everywhere, so I'm pretty sure we can figure it out. Kala Rose Ostrander has systematically helped create the social ecology of organizations and individuals that can take the Marin Carbon Project model to scale. But it's a very different vision of what scale looks like. It's more go forth and multiply than get big or get out. The Marin Carbon Project started at home, California, which does happen to also be the world's sixth largest economy, quite the location to start proving the viability of carbon farming. 
What did we do? With a coalition of people, we passed the Healthy Soils Initiative, which is funding for carbon farming in the state of California. And we were able to get that program passed. We were able to pass the first bill on short-lived climate pollutants in the world that regulates methane and black carbon. Also really amazing accomplished. We were able to pass maybe four other laws that regulate and help incentivize the compost market. We were able to create carbon farm planning projects with the help of the Carbon Cycle Institute and CalCan and the California RCDs and 33 districts in the state of California from northern to southern. So in three years, we took a working model and we scaled up to the state. It's pretty impressive. Now, California ranchers and farmers can go to their local resource conservation districts and to the state's Healthy Soils Initiative, where they can apply for financial and technical help with their carbon farming plan. But for John Wick and Cala Rose Ostrander, the California model holds a deeper design for a much larger social transformation. You might call it global local. I, I have a question for you. Oh, it's your question. So during the Kyoto Protocol, when we didn't sign up for it as a nation, what was the response for, from the U.S. Council of Mayors? Oh, right. So John really loves cities, and so do I. So you all know that when the U.S. didn't ratify Kyoto, the mayors stepped up and said, we're going to do this ourselves. And that's really where this action is at, renewable energy. That's coming at the city level. You want composting, that's coming at the city or county level. So it really is these structures of power that we need to identify that we can utilize to create the change that we want to see in the world. And people will often ask, well, how do we create this huge problem? And it's this huge problem. And what I learned by watching the Marin Carbon Project is they found out what worked, and then they kept supporting what worked. So oftentimes in our jobs or in our lives, we fight what's bad and we spend a lot of energy fighting what's bad. We have to find what works and support what works because where our attention goes, there our energy goes. So cities are one of those things that really work because they are responsive to people's power at the local level. John Wick and Cala Rose Ostrander know that what happens in California doesn't stay in California. That's certainly their intention for the Marin Carbon Project. But their view of what it means to take something to scale has changed radically. It starts by asking nature. And so for me, one of the big personal discoveries was in the beginning of the Marin Carbon Project, we were clearly told that anything we had to do, if the state and federal agencies were going to participate, everything we did had to be replicable, scalable, and broadly applicable. That, that made sense to me. I get it. Turns out, though, that that's the wrong approach. What I've discovered and what we've actually put to practice is first to scale something to the natural boundaries within which it's occurring and therefore replicate it again within the natural boundaries. And that's how you broadly distribute something. So for me, local governance, the participation of us as citizens with our assemblymen, mayors, boards of supervisors, this is the scale with which we can actually change the world. This is our community. And working within our community with each other, we maybe can actually address this issue of otherness. Yeah, we have to address it all the time. 
And so this argument over like, what's the right framework or what's the right way to do things, it's not the conversation to be having. People say, oh, so soil is the single thing that's gonna save the planet. We say, no, 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 you're missing it. How we exchange energy with each other in the form of carbon and how we use that energy is probably what's gonna help save all of us. So in this time when this problem seems so overwhelming, just know that there's this beautiful solution, which is photosynthesis. It's built in everywhere around us, and the plants are giving us all energy that we can exchange with each other. And our job as humans in this role with the plant community is to give back, right? We have to give back to them. And that's why compost, I love it so much, is also one of these things that, you know, it's so simple, but it works so, so, so well. And so what we've discovered is that rather than competing for depleting resources from extractive approaches to things, that by managing for life and managing for the conditions for life to occur, we can actually create conditions that are self-feeding and create abundance. Where else can you do something where the more you do of it, the more resources you gain to do even more? Only with living systems. And so... And I'd include people in that yeah, living system. So as much as I love concrete, I actually love life more. And I, <laughs> so thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. As visionary innovators such as John Wick and Calla Rose Ostrander are showing, by managing for life, we can actually create conditions that are regenerative and give rise to abundance. Carbon farming is demonstrating that by working with nature's cycles, millions of small acts around the world can have a very big influence on the seemingly overwhelming climate crisis. And yes, it's not staying in California. Initiatives and legislation are in place or underway from Hawaii and Massachusetts to New York, Maryland, Colorado, Arizona, Montana, and France, where it's now in play to become national policy. Locations, locations, locations. Calarose Ostrander and John Wick, vice to virtue, from carbon crisis to carbon farming. You can see and hear more from the guests in our program and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, blogs, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ossabel. Written by Kenny Ossabel and Teo Grossman. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Producer, Teo Grossman. Program engineer and music supervisor, Emily Harris. Additional music was made available by Blue Dot Sessions at www.sessions.blue. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. This is program number 1017.